All right, so um, this good life, I, I, here's what I know about every human being. There's not one of you sitting in here who doesn't make choices every single day, and the reason you make those choices is because you believe that this is what's going to be good. So let me just ask you real quick, how many of you right now are actually dieting? Any, how many of you are actually eating differently, trying to take care of your body? Okay, six or seven of it. Okay, we have a number of you. Let me ask you this one. How many of you are exercising? All right, look at that is so impressive. I, I got, we got a pretty active church, man. First and second service, people are exercising. So here's my question. What makes it worth it to exercise or diet? Why is it worth it to do that? And I would say some of our reasons, right? You actually want to feel healthy. You know, we do it because it makes us healthy. I do it because I'm getting old. And if I eat right and have energy, I act, or if I eat right and exercise, it actually gives me energy. So we do it for health reasons. But, right, we also do it so that the stuff that's in my closet actually fits. There's nothing worse than going through every shirt on there and going, I can't even put any of these on. So we do it so we can look in the mirror and go, yes, that's good, right? You just want to feel good about yourself. And so you go for it. It's worth it. Now, I, I'm, in, I'm exercising right now. I'm doing that. But there are definitely seasons when I'm not eating right and I'm not exercising. And when I'm not, what makes exercise and dieting not worth it? For those of us who aren't doing it or when you don't do it, why is it not worth doing it? It's because it's, because it's painful, right? <laughs> because it's suffering. Because when I do that, I don't actually feel good in the moment. So here's what's interesting. That's the word we're going to look at today, is the word worth. Because all the time, in fact, I said it even after the message, as I'm hanging out with people today, I found myself saying over, well, because it's worth it. What do we mean when we say it's worth it, all right? So we're going to make this very interactive. I know it's hot out there, so I'm going to bust through this so you guys hang with me. So I'm going to have you repeat back to me a lot of stuff today, okay? Here's what I want you all to say. Repeat after me. It is worth it. It is worth it. Excellent. Okay, what did you just say? When the, here's the definition of worth. Worth is when there's something sufficiently good, important, or interesting enough, valuable enough, that it actually justifies a specific behavior. So in other words, this is so worth it that I will actually do it. It's the perceived value is deserving. Here's another definition. It's the perceived value is deserving of effort, investment, attention, or respect. So this, this, uh, this weekend, my wife Susie and I celebrated 19 years of marriage. So, yeah, baby. Bring it on. Now, I want to tell you, man, I made a decision before we were even married that when it became anniversary time, we're freaking celebrating our anniversary because it's worth it. And so every weekend, man, I, where we go eat and where we stay and where we go on trips at the special ones, it's worth it. Now, tomorrow it won't be worth it, right? But on the anniversary, I'm going to tell you, man, there is no greater gift to me than my bride that God gave me. And the value of our relationship and the celebration of that is so worth extra money to me. So I invest. I put a lot of effort 
and putting together the celebrations of our anniversary and I invest money because it's worth it. But I'm not even kidding. I wouldn't do that on a Monday. I wouldn't even do that on a regular, after, on a weekend. But it's worth it. And so the root word of worth means to balance the scales. That's what it means. So every time you're saying it's worth it, you're saying the value of this rises my effort, my activity matches the value. So you can tell what I value because it's worth it to me. So we just sang that song, Oh, How God Loves Us. Let me just tell you how much we need to meditate on that just for a second. Do you know how valuable you are? Do you know your worth to God? He says, you are so worth it to me that I will do everything necessary to reconcile you to myself. I want to be with you. In fact, you're so valuable. I love you so much that I will actually send my one and only son into this world. And he will sacrifice his life. He will lay down his life for you. And he will literally die on the cross for you. I will pay that type of price because you are my creation and you are that valuable to me. Is that not cool? Okay, now celebrate that, man. That is freaking awesome. And we can't forget that, oh, how he loves us. Because many times we wonder, I don't know if God really loves us. And Jesus Christ is the way that we know that he does. He, God, saw that we were separated from him, right? We are following, as we learned earlier in the series, we're going through the book of Ephesians. We are following the ways of the world. We are following his enemy. We're following our own cravings, and it just causes us to disobey God all the time. So we get separated from God, and it was not okay for him. So God was saying, I want you to know the worth that you have to me. I'll do anything necessary. I will show you my action is going to match your value. Now, in light of that, there's this beautiful verse that we started off this whole series. That is, as we're talking, when it says in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 9 and 10, it says that God has revealed the mystery of his will, purposed in Christ, by his good pleasure. And again, and again if you haven't been with us, let me just... I can't ever get past that. Think, did you hear what I said? God, who created everything and created you, has revealed the mystery of his will. How many of you are going, I want to know God's will. I want to know. <laughs> He's revealed it. The mystery of his will purposed in Christ. So the whole reason that Jesus Christ came, God's revealed the mystery of that purpose by his good pleasure. In other words, God was saying, this is what I want. And what was his will purpose in Christ? to unite everything in heaven and earth in Christ. God's will, which is good and pleasing and perfect, is to take every human being that's driving on I-15, every one of you, every person on this planet, God is saying, here's my will, and it's good and pleasing and perfect, to unite you first with myself. I don't want any human being separate. You were not created to live separately from me. So he unites us through us, through Christ, dying, forgiving us of all of our sin so that we can be reconciled back to God so he can actually fill us with his spirit, one in spirit with Christ. But he doesn't stop there, right? He goes, 
Now I unite you with myself and I put my spirit in you so that my spirit in you will invest in relationship with each other. I want to unite all of you. And that's good, right? And, and I just want to tell you it is. Because there's every, almost every painful, heavy thing that we go through on this planet is because of broken relationships. It's because of marriages that we thought were going to work that didn't work. It's because of the person we were dating that we thought we'd get married to who then left us. It's when our kids want to become their own person <laughs> and start dividing themselves and separating from us. It's conflicts at work. Everywhere that we have that, it destroys our spirit. And God is saying, that's because my will and my purpose is to unite all of you together. And I want to tell you, man, when, you're, when we're united, it's a life of peace. Instead of anger, instead of bitterness, instead of rage, it's peace. And when we're united, it's productive. You guys have all been with a group of people that can't get along. And when you can't get along, you can't do anything. So it's peaceful, it's productive, and here's the third thing. It's pleasing. God, I like this, yeah. It's, it's pleasing because you're at peace with God and you're at peace with each other. All right? So, that's God's will, and that's what we've been talking about. Now, today, we get super practical, okay? The, the book of Ephesians lays down all the work that God has done to unite us with himself and his spirit and to unite us with each other, but now we actually have to do it, and how do we do it, okay? So, if you want, grab your phones, your Bibles. We're in chapter 4 now, and here's what Paul says. As a prisoner for the Lord, I urge you, okay? Now, that's a very strong word. Urge is almost can't get it across. And so I know my job today as your pastor and teaching you today is to urge you to do what? To live a life worthy of the calling that you've received. Okay? So worthy, balancing the scale. The way I live matches the call. And we'll get to that in just a second. I urge you today to live a life worthy of the calling that you've received with all humility with all gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, making every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. All right? So let's look at this. I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling. So what is this calling? What is God's calling? It's to be unified with Him and with each other. So if you guys remembered, all of us, it says every human being is separated from God. And when you're separated from God, you're separated from his life. And when you're separated from God, it means God, when he called you, he actually was calling you from something. And what he says he was calling you from is, I was calling you from dead because you were dead in all your sins. And I was calling you from being spiritually dead, from living a life of destruction, from anger and bitterness and discord. I'm calling you out of that life, and I'm calling you to myself. I'm calling you to know me. You guys, Christianity is the most beautiful message in the world, and it's not about trying to be a good person. It's about knowing. When God actually calls you, you'll know it, because you'll tell he's actually calling me to himself. That's why he says, I chose you to myself. I adopted you to myself. I redeemed you. 
You were lost and I paid the price to purchase you back to myself. All God's saying is, I want you to be with me. That's your calling. So Jesus did what, right? He called his 12 disciples and he said what? Come, follow me. So when God calls you to himself, he literally fills you with his spirit. You are one in spirit with Christ. And that's why a Christian, that's why here at K2, our mission is to invite every one of you and then to equip you to live out the adventure of following Jesus. Because that's your call. Follow me. Live like me. Be me, because I'm now in you. I love you. I've brought you to myself. And now I'm inside you to bring that love to the rest of the world. And I want to tell you, is that call worth it? Is it worth it? And I want to tell you, it is, because the alternative is to be separated from God. But when you say yes, it's worth it because you get united with God and God is love and joy and peace and wisdom and strength. He is everything that you need and you get it. It's worth it to get your life connected to God. And is it worth it to be united to each other? Is it not worth it to live instead of being in chaos and anger and separation to live in unity and peace with one another? It's what every human heart is actually looking for. So, how do we do this? How do we live a life worthy or equal to the call of God? He says you must make every effort, okay? You've got to make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. You know, it's cool, and I don't have time to get into this. Listen to last week's message. But here's what's true. The Bible says as soon as you receive Christ, you already have oneness with his spirit you don't have to try to get it he goes you keep the unity of the spirit you have unity of the spirit and you have the bond of peace you're already at peace with god you have everything you need to be with peace with each other so make every effort to keep it do you you guys remember by the very definition when something is worth it when it's worth it you actually like this weekend for me with susie I make every effort to make this a great weekend for her. I invest because it's worth it. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace with each other. All right? So, here you go. Four quick ways in how we do this practically. Here's number one. Live a life worthy of the calling you've received making every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit with all humility. There's your first one, okay? So repeat after me. It is worth it. It is worth it. To be humble. humble. It's worth it, you guys, to be humble. Now, what is humility? By definition, in in the kind of the original language, it means to be, have lowliness of mind. Okay, here's here's the best definition. Philippians chapter 2 says this. Here's your calling. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Okay? Think about your marriage. Think about your relationship with your kids, with your parents. Think about tomorrow at work. Here's your calling. Be humble. With all humility, do nothing. Nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, 
value others above yourself. Not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. So here's God's calling. Is it worth it? We go to be humble. He's like, because what he's saying is, then you have to value others above yourself. I just want to tell you, man, that's hard. You all know how hard that is? If you're human, you do. But it's interesting. Why is it? In fact, this is so hard. Did you guys know that? I didn't know this, so I'm guessing you didn't know this. There was, there was not even a word for this before the New Testament in the Greek and the Roman civilization. This was so devalued before Jesus Christ came that there wasn't even a word for humility until, and you know why? Why there wasn't? Because it was never seen as a virtue to lower yourself behind somebody else until Jesus Christ came on this planet. In the Roman and Greek cultures and in American history today and in your flesh, what are we told? Think about yourself. Do what's best for you. Follow your heart. We just, we are so consumed with doing whatever is best for us. Do you, I mean, do you ever see anybody fighting to get to the end of the line? No. no. Everybody's always trying to get in the front of the line. But Jesus would never fight to get to the end of the line because he always valued the other person. Now, let's all say this. What's the opposite of humility? Okay, I can't hear you. What's the opposite of humility? It's pride. It's pride. Now listen, pride is when you think of yourself first. You elevate yourself. You do what you want. You get what you want. And the only action that is worthy for you is what will satisfy yourself. And I want to tell you, when you live like that, pride always divides. It is the core issue. In fact, it's the core issue the Bible tells us that was the core of Satan himself, was pride, wanting to elevate himself above and be God. And then he has messed with every one of us, telling us every single day, if you live for yourself, if you do what you think is best for you, then you're going to have a great life. No, you're not! <laughs> because all your relationships are going to suffer. Pride always divides. Listen to this, James 3 says, Selfish ambition and vain conceit. By the way, you know what vain conceit means? High-mindedness. Humility is low-mindedness. Vain conceit is high-mindedness. He says selfish ambition and vain conceit are, are earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. For where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you find disorder and every evil practice. Okay, so you guys, say this with me. It is worth it. To be, to be humble. Why? Because if you're, self, if you're in pride or if you live for yourself, if you elevate yourself above others, pride always divides. But let me tell you this. Humility always builds a bridge. Humility results in unity. It just does. And that's our calling. Why? Because that was Jesus, you guys. Jesus is humility. He is the one who always elevated. Like when he was in the garden, he didn't want to go to the cross, right? He's going, God, anything, please take this cup from me. But not what I will, but what you will. See, that's humility. I'm valuing you, Father, above myself. Your call is worth my life. 
And then the Bible tells us that he laid down his life for us. You were so worth it. And Jesus values you so highly that he humbles himself, taking on the very nature of a servant and values you above his own life. And when you get reconciled to God, God fills you with the spirit of Jesus. And you guys, we follow Jesus. That's our calling. So what's our calling? What's your action? It's simply this, today. I beg you today. Just one time today. Just try this. Just one time today. Value the other person more than yourself. And I guarantee you, man, you're not going to want to. You never want to. You always want to do what you want to do. But I'm telling you, value your wife. Value your husband. Value your kids. Kids, value your parents. Tomorrow morning at work, value them. That is your calling in Christ Jesus. And he's saying, live a life worthy of that calling. And you know what will happen? You'll start to experience unity when both parties start thinking of the other person more than themselves. All right, so say it with me again. It is worth it to be humble. All right, let's go to number two. Live a life worthy of the calling you've received, making every effort to keep the unity of, unity of the Spirit with all gentleness. With all gentleness. Say it with me. It is worth it to be gentle. Now, what's the opposite of gentle? It's harsh. It's rough. And I want to tell you, man, and I'm, I'm not even going to get into the physical. I don't, I, don't, I don't need to touch on that. I mean, we could spend a whole thing. We see it all around our world. I'm sure it's happening in the crowd this size. Obviously, any physical roughness with your spouse or with your children is the antithesis of God and bringing people together. But let me, let me just hit on the one that I think every one of us in this lawn can relate to. It's our words, you guys. Don't, don't raise your hands on this, but how many of you are harsh and rough with your words? Cutting to your wife. Cutting harsh to your husband. I'm telling you as parents, man, this is tough. How many of you have in the moment just and lashed out with harsh, condemning words to your children? Think about this. All of us have been recipients of those harsh words. When someone is harsh towards you, what do you do? What do you do? You throw up a wall. Because sticks and stones may break my bones, but words always hurt me. And you know that. And so God is going, my will for you in Christ is to be one, to be unified. But if there's harshness, you have nothing but walls. You don't have unity because we have to protect ourselves from each other. And so in the spirit of Christ, he's gentle. And if you're going to live in accordance with the calling to follow Jesus, then you need to be gentle with your words. This is so important. And I just want to tell you guys, this is not weakness, okay? Being gentle is not weak. It's, it, the word is like, a, it's, even meekness sounds like, ooh, I'll be like, oh, just, no. Come on, man, we're talking Jesus. We're talking the guy who created this mountain and created the universe inside a human body. You think he's strong? Do you think he's powerful? Yes. 
and he was gentle. You know what it is? It's power under control. It's power under control. And I want to tell you, man, there's not one of us in here that doesn't need Jesus. I need Jesus in this. It's amazing to me how when I feel disrespected or hurt, stuff comes out. And I don't know about you guys, how many of you after it comes out, you just want to go, you just go, and then you feel like an idiot. You're like, oh my God, why did I do that? Can I just help you? How in the world, if you are a harsh person today, and you know it, and you're even sitting next to the person who receives it, how can you begin to be gentle? The first thing you got to do is just confess it very honestly to God. God, I am not living worthy of the call. I'm not. I'm building walls through my harshness. So I just want to confess that to you. I confess it as sin. It's not okay. It is sin against you and against whoever it is that I'm, it's, it's wrong. And then here's the second thing you got to do. You have to go to God and you have to say, and I can't stop it. I need you to help me. I need you to help me. I, I remember years ago, I was the king of sarcasm. Anybody else? Some of you are like, I'm the king. No, I am. No, no, I, no I, I really was. In fact, I debated my a professor of mine. I, it was a class on marriage. And I debated her on the value of sarcasm. I was only in college, so I was an idiot. But, but here's the thing. Once I finally realized that my sarcasm was hurting other people, I couldn't stop it. Harshness was coming out. And then every time it'd come out and I'd go, <sighs> so you know what I did? I just started asking God for help. God. I don't want to feel like crap after I've said it. I'd love to stop myself before. Would you please help me? Just keep asking God for help. You know what happened? I'll, I can still remember the day sitting in a truck at work with three of us, and this guy in the middle said something so stupid, and I was like, <laughs> and as soon as that thought of my sarcastic phrase came, right on the heels of that came, don't say it. That was a new thought. And you know what I did? I held my tongue. And I didn't say a harsh word. God can help you. He can help catch you. All right? But here's what you got to do, man. It, say it with me. It is worth it. To be gentle. Do whatever you got to do, you guys, to do that. Here's the third one. Live a life worthy of the calling you've received, making every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit. Effort, you guys. This is not easy. With patience. <laughs> okay, now we're going, oh, are you kidding me? Patience, okay, let's say it. It is worth it, it, is worth it. To, be to be patient. Now, what is patience? You know what by definition it is? It's long suffering. The word literally means long suffering, okay? So apparently it's worth it. The call on your life is to be long suffering with people. You know, immediately all I thought of was sitting on the freeway. Don't you hate it? That is long-suffering. It's, it's going to the nice restaurant and waiting for the waiter to come to your table. Just don't even, I can't even talk to my wife. She won't even talk to me until the waiter comes because it's long-suffering. It's bugging me. It's, it's, it's that. It's, it's waiting to get married. It's long-suffering. If that's what patience is, then what's the opposite? Long, quick pleasure. Please me now. Come on, parents. How many times have we said this? We're like, do it now. I want it now. That's what our kids are saying. 
You know, I, I remember when my kids were little like this. It's a, after I would totally harsh words and not be patient, I'd go back to my room and I'd sit around and I'd go, you know what, I, really what I should say is quit acting your age. <laughs> right, your kids are two years old and they're in their terrible twos and you're all up and around. It's like, you just want to say quit acting your age. But you guys, here's what the problem. Impatience, if you won't suffer long with somebody, it breeds frustration and bitterness and eventually separation. But when you suffer long with someone, it breeds grace and mercy and it keeps relationships together. Can I ask you a question? Is it worth it to be patient? How many of you guys have ever pulled something out of the oven before it was done? <laughs> you ever done that? Like, especially something that was supposed to be nice and you pull it out and it goes, <laughs> and you go, you know what? It would have been worth it to suffer it a little bit longer and let the thing cook and let it come out. It's, it's like a little kid who the, who the rose looks so beautiful, and so they just can't be patient and let it unfold so they help it, right? And you pull open the petals, and you just killed the flower. Is it worth it to be patient? Yes. Can I just ask you a question? How patient is God with you? How many of you are causing God much suffering, and he's long in his patience with you. And I want to tell you, you guys, this is huge. Because when you suffer long, what we're really saying is, let a two-year-old be a two-year-old. Guess what? They're growing up. Take some time. All my kids are teenagers. Let teenagers be teenagers. Let them grow and be patient and suffer long. Because when you won't and you step in quick, you stunt the growth. And God says, listen, I am so patient with you. I love you and I will be with you in the long run. I know you're growing. And his spirit is inside of you. And he's saying, here's your calling. Live a life worthy of the calling of unity in my spirit. And the only way you're going to keep those relationships together is you're going to have to be patient and suffer long with each other. Okay? So say it with me. It is worth it, it, is worth it. to be patient. be patient. It'll keep you together. Last one. Live a life worthy of calling you've received. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit. Bearing with one another in love. Bearing with one another in love. Let's all say it. It is worth it. To bear with each other in love. All right. Now, what does bear mean? We're supposed to bear with each other. You know what the word means? It means to carry something. It means to support. It's to bear it means to support, right? All you guys in construction, you have load-bearing walls. And so what you're doing is you're putting something above you, and you're supporting it, and you have to endure that's what the word means. It means to endure. And you know what else the word means? To suffer. <laughs> to suffer. Actually, when I read all these commentaries, these Greek scholars, you know what they said the word bear means? It means to put up with each other. <laughs> now, you guys, I find this very interesting. Did you notice all these words, the, the key to all these words? All four of these words assume something. They assume that all the people around you are going to be really hard to live with. You guys catching this? 
The calling is to long suffer with each other, to bear with one another. Here's what he's saying. You're all screwed up. <laughs> and if you're going to get yourself next to another human being, I didn't say this first service. This is why Jesus is so important. Because I know how many times I have not lived in a way that deserves God's love. And yet he bears with me. He carries me. He supports me. He puts up with me. And here's what the Bible says. God's love will never fail. Never it always perseveres. And you guys can know that today. You've got to know that today. Because when you're with another person who's bugging you, when you're with another person who's broken, when you're with another person who's hurt from the wounds of their past and is struggling with addictions and their life and, they have, and their emotional ability is not... I'm telling you, you know what we want to do? Because here's the opposite of bearing. It's quitting. It's quitting. And I, we quit on each other all the time. This is just too hard. Wait, suffer, I think by suffer, probably the definition means it's hard. And here's what God is saying. If it gets hard and you separate, that's not me. And I'm asking you, he says, to live a life worthy of the calling. I called you to me. I put my spirit inside of you. And my spirit pours my love into your heart. And my love loves the powerless, ungodly sinner. The person who's powerless to do anything. Now here you go, Christians. This is just for you guys who are Christians because you've received this. That's inside you now. And so live a life worthy of that calling. And I just want to say, you guys, here's what we need to remember. Almost every person we meet is hurting in ways that you and I have no idea. And we make quick judgments based on someone's behavior, but the truth is they're dealing with past hurts and abuses, dealing with lies from the enemy, dealing with broken dreams and losses, dealing with shame. And so what do we, God's asking us to do? Carry each other, support each other, endure with them, and do not stop loving one another. Now, this is not easy. But the cross wasn't easy. Our Lord and Savior gave up his life. He humbled himself. He was gentle with you. He was patient with you. And he bears with you in love. And now he's living inside of us. And now can, I'll just close with this. Can you guys imagine? See, God, this was God's whole dream. This was, his, this was his will. My will is to put my spirit inside of you so you guys can love each other the way I love you. And you know what he said? Jesus prayed this. He goes, oh God, the last prayer he ever prayed, he said, would you please make them one? Just as I am in you and you are in me, may they also be in us so they can be brought to complete unity. And then he said, because if you and I could be one with each other, it would be such a beautiful display that every human heart, every human heart on this planet is wishing and hoping that there would be somebody who would love them even in their brokenness, even in their inability to be good. And Jesus is saying, that's the church. That's the church.
They're people who received my grace, my mercy, and my love when they didn't deserve it. And now they've actually received my spirit so they can love each other the way I love them. And you guys, if we would do that, I'll tell you what would happen. Your marriages would start to rock if you actually valued the other person above yourself and were gentle with them and patient and bear with them. Your relationship, with your, every relationship would get better and the rest of the world would go, how are you guys doing that? And they'd be drawn to Jesus. That's God's will for you. His will is that you would have a life of peace in your relationships that would end up being productive because you're one and that would please you. God's will is good and pleasing and perfect. And his will is to unite everything in Jesus Christ. All right? So let's pray. God, thank you for sending Jesus so that we could know what you're like. We have seen, the Bible says, the image of the invisible God. And Jesus, you are beautiful. All of us right here, we just want to say thank you. Thank you for humbling yourself. Thank you for valuing us more than yourself. Thanks for your unbelievable gentleness and patience. And thanks for how you bear with us in love. God, when we go from this place, I'm asking, would you please help us now? Would you give us grace and mercy as we focus on the love that you have for us? Would that empower us to give it to each other? And would you begin to heal marriages and relationships with kids between kids and parents? Would you bring a new atmosphere into the office tomorrow? Because we're going to walk in with the very spirit of Christ. And I pray that you do it here at K2, Lord. I pray that you'd make us one. I pray that we'd value each other more than ourselves every time we're together. That we would be gentle with one another and patient. And that we might see in this church, in this one place, a display of your unity. And I ask for it in Jesus' name. Amen.